Welcome back to the Homeless Podcast. My guest today is former Navy SEAL turned actor, author, film script writer. And get this, I've also heard him preach, and he preaches well. He's good at it. He has a powerful testimony. You may have seen him uh, on the I Am Second videos. Um, maybe you've seen him on the cover of his own book called Transformed. Or maybe even as an actor in the film Transformers The Last Night. Um, this, uh, this guy, this guy's, he's just phenomenal, just a phenomenal guy, super interesting life. You dig into some of his backstory, uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation, uh, on, on masculinity with Remy Adeleke. Hey, what's up, bro? What's up? How are you? Doing good. How about yourself? Good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right on. Hey, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for having yeah, me on. This is excellent. This is excellent. Yeah, yeah. When I got the email yesterday uh, from your assistant, he said, uh, hey, can he, uh, can you do, can you do today or tomorrow? Yeah. Like, today or tomorrow? Yeah. Like, you're going to take a life like Remy Adelaki, <laughs> and you're going to take that life. And you expect <laughs> me to have be prepared tomorrow. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be ready. Uh, I'm sorry, man. See, the thing is, that I apologize, man. The thing is, like, I get hit up for interviews all the time. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, and I have these, old, like, but my schedule is busy. So I got all this writing stuff, all this other stuff yeah. that I do. And so, like, it's hard for me to know when I can do an interview until usually, like, the day of or the day after. Well, let me tell you, I appreciate so much um, your willingness to jump in because you do a load of interviews. Yeah, a yeah, yeah. load. Yeah, no, man. You got all kinds of stuff going on. So, yeah, man. Well, hey, this is called uh, this is called the Homeless Podcast. Yeah. Um, this is a podcast about preaching and about, and that's what historically this whole last year has been about preaching. Yeah. Okay? So, what I decided on is I'm going to invite some hardcore guys in yeah. to push against preachers a little bit yeah. and start challenging them. Because here's the deal that happens, and it happens in, in, in all industries and in all businesses, all you know, men in general. We sit back, we get reactive instead of proactive, yeah. sedentary, uh, we get lazy, we get yeah. fat, um, we lose our drive. And then when that starts happening, man, we, we come unhinged, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. we just come unhinged. So this was really, really cool. Uh, this is really cool. Well, <sighs> so, so I got this, so I got this right. Remy Adelake, Adelake, yeah. Adelake. Adelake. You good, Adelake. You good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Remy Adelake. All right. Yeah. I want to make sure I get that right. Uh, I look for, I look for some different, uh, some people who are going to say the name right. And, and, Oh yeah. In the interviews, I'm like, oh yeah. I don't know who's doing it right. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I've heard it a million different ways myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have. Yeah. I'm sure you have. Well, I appreciate you doing this. This is excellent, man. This no is doubt. excellent. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled. Let me, uh, let me begin. Let me begin by telling you uh, a cool story. Yeah. And this will lead us into. <clears throat> excuse me. This will lead us into. Uh, some really good conversation. So yeah. I interviewed JP Donnell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, my buzz <laughs> Right. Right. So I interviewed JP Donnell not long ago. Yeah. And so I hit him up on Instagram. Uh, what a good dude, man. Yeah, what a, yeah, a good dude. dude. Yeah. And so we get connected. He says, yeah, I'd love to be on the podcast. And so we sit down, we visit, we have some really good conversation. 
and uh and so it's it's good and so we got a we got a little bit of time between the next event so what i say to him is hey if you know a couple of guys who you think would be a really good fit yeah. for the podcast would you would you be would you be willing to connect me to him yeah. and he's like oh yeah absolutely so i don't hear anything okay so so here's what happens yeah. i catch a clip all right i catch a clip of a guy named Peter Cullen, and I've never even heard the name before. Yeah, you'll know him in a minute. You'll know him yeah. in a minute. Sounds like, familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should sound familiar. And yeah. I'm like, I catch this clip of this guy named Peter Cullen, and he's talking because he's a voice actor. Yeah. I'm like, he's telling this story about his brother and how yeah. he was he was leaving the house one day. He was living with his brother. <clears throat> he he's going to an audition and his brother says, what are you auditioning for? He said, I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to go audition to be a truck. Yeah. Like some sort of hero truck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This car. yeah. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> and I'm, and, and so I'm listening to this story. And so he talks about his brother's advice to him. It's a great clip. You look it up on YouTube. Yeah. It's a great clip. His brother, Larry says to him, well, um, Peter, listen, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a hero, at least be, um, at least be strong enough to be gentle. Yeah. And he said, I went into the audition and Larry's voice is just playing in my head. Be strong enough to be gentle. And so yeah. he starts kind of moving, migrating into the voice. And he's like, be strong enough to be gentle. Yeah. You know? And and so he goes into the audition and they give him the lines and he begins to read and he says, my name is Optimus Prime. Yeah. I'm from, and so he goes through the whole thing, and it's just, it's an incredible little clip. So I get an IMBD <laughs> membership immediately. Yeah. Like I'm gonna yeah. get this dude. Like I want to have that story on this podcast. I'm yeah. gonna get this dude. All right. So in the meantime, the guy I work with shows up from a conference, and he brings me a book that I've never heard of. Yeah. And so I look at it, and I'm like, man, this is a like this is a. This is a cool. This is a, this is a cool book. Like this yeah. is a cool. This is a cool book. I'm gonna sit on my desk and I'll get to it at some point. Yeah. And uh, so I get a message back from JP and it says, "Hey, let me connect you with Remy. Yeah. Let me connect you with my friend Remy." Yeah. So I start googling Remy, and lo and behold, I'm already on a Transformers chase. Yeah. I run right into a guy who is with the Transformers yeah. in the film Transformers last night. So yeah, you got the book. <laughs> and I got the book. I'm like, so I tell my partner, I said, like, you're not going to believe who I'm interviewing. And I said, this dude named Remy. And he, and he looks at me and he goes, Adeleke. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I brought you the book. I'm like, that's the book. That's the book. Yeah. Like, this is great. So anyway, full circle. It was, yeah. it was really cool. It was really nah. cool. So God, if, if in any of your, any of your business uh, interactions, you bump into Peter Cullen, you'd be sure to tell him that story that I would. I, I would, I would <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. <clears throat> I'm excited about, uh, I'm excited about our conversation. And uh, I think, uh, I think you'll probably have some really good insights and some things to, uh, yeah. to, uh, to push some guys. Hey, uh, let's, uh, let's start, let's start with, yeah, let's start with this. Uh, let's start with this sermon. Yeah. That I heard you preach at All People's Church. Which one? Oh, okay. All People. Oh, uh, Bridge. Uh huh. All People. All man, People's Church. Like years ago, man. <laughs> okay, but check this out. Here's what was yeah. so cool about it. And yeah. the listeners, like the preachers that listen to this podcast, yeah. they're going they're going to think this is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, you cite, reference, or allude to yeah. 
somewhere between 80 and 90 passages of scripture yeah. in this sermon. Yeah. Dude, obviously you didn't go to preaching school where we went to preaching school because they're, they're going the other direction. You know what I mean? That was incredible. Yeah, when I teach, when I do teach, it hasn't been as often as it used to be, but when I do uh, teach, I, 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 my thing is I don't like to say anything that's not rooted in the work because it's yeah. just like, you know, anybody can be saying anything. I like to connect it to, you know, the work. And, uh, you know, I like to get as much information into a message as possible. Yeah. And I know that the best way for me, the best way to do that is by having all of the scriptures memorized. Yeah. Because that way I don't have to say now, stop, turn to this page, stop, turn to this page. Now there are times when I slow down and do that, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, for emphasis, but I just want to try and get as much content as I can mm-hmm. in a message and then um, be able to back up what I'm saying with at least two, three scriptures. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, what's, what's so neat about that is yeah. in some of the other interviews that I've listened to, you talked about your dad being an intellectual. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he and, was super brilliant. Yeah, and just how the mind was the most powerful thing yeah. that you could have. And this yeah. obviously trickled down for you as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I get it from him. You know, he... You know, he, he was he, in his early years. He was raised Muslim, so he had to memorize the Quran. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and he, uh, uh, you know, he can he memorized math equations. When his dad died, he moved down to the south of Nigeria, and uh, there were Christian missionaries there. Not only did they teach the Bible, but they also taught you know English, English literature, and science. And, you know, a lot of Western concepts that are taught in, in, in schools nowadays, and even at the time. And uh, he was able to memorize it all. Like they, wow. I mean, even dazzled this teacher. They were just like, "How is this dude able to memorize all this stuff?" He just, you know, his brain. So, you know, I get it from him. You know, I get it from him. That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. Hey, let me ask you this: When you take inventory of your life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many people are familiar with you that listen to this podcast, but when yeah. you begin, born in Nigeria, yeah, moved to moved to the Bronx, yeah, the Seals, yeah, somewhere in the process, um, you, you get married, yeah, you, you get out, you get out of the Seals, yeah, you you uh, write a book, mm-hmm. somebody gets a hold of you. And says, yeah. "Hey, do you do you want to be an actor?" Yeah. When you stop and take inventory of all these things, all the way across the board, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Unexpected. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm living an unexpected life. You know, um, everything that happened to me is not what I expected to happen. It's crazy. I was listening to um, I was listening to a, a YouTube clip, clip from Stephen Furtick. Um, was it yesterday? Was it yesterday or the day before? <laughs> And uh, he said, you know, we, he, he quoted um, Ephesians 3.20. Uh, now, oh, glory to God, who's able through his mighty powers to work within us to do infinitely above what we may ask or think. And he said so many times, you know, when that, people, when that scripture is quoted, people shout, fall out, God is it. But, he, you know, he, he brought up a point that, you know, really resonated with me. He said, scripture says he's able to do more than you may ask or think. So what that's saying is God is not going to do what you think he's going to do. <laughs> right. He's not going to just do the planning you have in your mind. Yeah. Like you have this idea in your mind. So we shouldn't be shouting that scripture because <laughs> you want this person so bad and God's able to do more than you can 
infinitely above more than you may ask or think. <laughs> and he has this person all the way over here, right? But you want this. So that's how my whole life has been, you know? Um, you know, I wanted something really, really bad and I didn't get it. And I was mad about it or frustrated about it. But unexpectedly, God had this, like, like interestingly, when I was, when I got out of the military in 2016, I wanted to go in ministry full time. Like I was trying to go to ministry full time. I had been preaching and teaching and um, nobody wanted me to, nobody called me up, you know? And I got really frustrated. I was like, man, you know, I've, I've studied the word. I've, I've, I've spoken at these places, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, you know, the, the Holy Spirit has gifted me in this particular area. Why is not happening? Like I expected to be doing this. And then the next thing you know, I get a phone call from Hollywood. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was not what I, you know, infinitely above what we may ask or think. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me that reminds me of that passage of uh, be anxious about nothing. Yeah. But in all things with prayer and petition, put your request before the Lord. Yeah. And then it goes on to say, and, and you will be given peace that passes all understanding. You're about yeah. to be given some peace that you yeah. can't comprehend. Like you can't, yeah. you can't even begin to comprehend it. No, you know, absolutely. It's like, so what's it like? You can't yeah. comprehend it. Like yeah. what? There's nothing yeah. for you. You can't comprehend it. It's going to yeah. be this, this peace, you know, yeah. uh, that's such a, that's, that's so cool. That's it. That's good, man. Cause like, it's crazy. Cause like it's scriptures like that, you know, was that Philippians 4, 6 or 7? Or, um, that I still need every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm such a knucklehead, you know what I mean? I'm so oh, hard-headed, you know? And I think that's another reason why God had me memorize so many scriptures because, you know, I need, uh, I need, it's not for necessarily for others, for me. Right. You know, because I, you know, I, I get so stuck on myself at times and uh, not intentionally, but just, just from a humanistic standpoint, you get so, you know, stuck on self or your, your accolades or what you've done or, and it's, and it's not what you've done anyways, what God did, but mm. you, know, you rest in what God did yesterday. And, you know, and, and, and you think, well, I try to take control at times and uh, I try to force things at times. And so I need scriptures like that for these four, six through seven, for these four, eleven through 13, to say to myself to unravel the mess that I've made yeah. of my day. <laughs> well, you know what's what's so good about that, and I, and I appreciate yeah. you bringing that up. Is oftentimes as as a pastor, yeah. uh, as a uh, I, I pastor a church here, and so my weekly yeah. responsibilities are preaching, marriage counseling, and counseling, yeah. uh, premarital counseling, just yeah. normal pastoral stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the study, all that. One of the habits that's super easy for preachers to get into is the idea that we're going to study a passage of scripture, we're going to learn every single thing we can learn about it mm. on a week to week basis. Yeah. And it never, ever affect our life. Yeah, it yeah, needs yeah. to affect their life. First, but we yeah. never put yeah. it into ourselves yeah. first, you know? Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that. No, that's true. That's like, it's, you know, God, you know, it's cool. Cause every, it's every, like God's time. And every time I get a new message or I'm working on a new message or, like it's for me first. <laughs> like I'm right. just like, man, God, you dealing with me first, you know? Because right. I think, you know, like we said, you know, we could just get so blinded by the fact that, you know, before God wants to deal with the people through you, He needs to deal with you first. Because mm-hmm. if not, then it's hypocrisy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for every, and this is just me thinking, you know, for every preacher, teacher of the gospel, um, yeah, we have this platform and these opportunities, but we're God is, we, it's hard to explain, but we're the type of people 
that, you know, because God is a double-edged sword, so he works. We just need to be dealt with first every week. Absolutely right. <laughs> like, we need to be dealt with first every week. Absolutely Because right. we're such knuckleheads, in my opinion, uh-huh. before you can deal with the people. Like, we, like, we, like, we are not these people who are, like, pastors put on this pedestal, teachers, you know, they're put on this pedestal, like, they're better. It's like, no, we are worse. Right. In my opinion. Right. Yes. We are worse. Yes. Like, the person in the audience is better, because <laughs> if they were worse than you, then God would have them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, let me, let me right. tell you, let me God tell you. God chooses the foolish things, right? <laughs> exactly right. Let me tell you the way, let me tell you the way I interpret it. I interpret it yeah. this way. Some people he calls a ministry because they need about 200, 500, 2,000 different people to run yeah. supervision over the top of some of these guys' lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And if they're insulated, they can do yeah. a really good job, but they, yeah. they got to be surrounded with it, you know, yeah. which yeah. I think leads us to a really good spot uh, yeah. when it comes to pastors, not just pastors, but uh, men in general. We love to run to isolation. We love yeah. to run into isolation yeah. um, because we get so ashamed of what's inside of us. Instead of yeah. talking it out, instead of confessing sin, instead of repenting, we, we begin to kind of hide this thing because we've got this illusion that if somebody knew, somebody knew how garbage I was, yeah. they'd, be, they'd be done with me. Yeah. And so we yeah. run to isolation. Have you experienced some of that in your own life? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, um, it's hard. I think the pride thing, you know, is where, you know, for all men, you know, um, is it, it makes you, not think you need help, right? Mm. Um, makes you believe that, you know, or be too ashamed to seek help. You know, and so when you don't seek help, you know, you, you go in your box because that's the same, that's the easiest thing. I'm, you know, I wrote a film and uh, there's a line in it, I don't want to kind of give it away, you know, because the film hasn't been produced yet, but, you know, I'll just kind of change it up, but it's along the lines of the man who who runs to help from other people, it takes more strength for him to do that than it does for him to isolate himself. Mm. Right? So we look at that, the man that runs to help as a, a weak person. Mm. Oh, he's weak. He went to counseling or, you know, he ask for this help. Oh, he's weak. He's not really a man of God. He's not this. He's not that. You know, no, he's actually stronger than the dude who you perceive as stronger. Yeah. That's trying to do it on his own. You know, yeah. again, I'm paraphrasing it. Yeah, it's more delicate than it. It's more um, syntactically clear. Yeah. In the script, in the line, yeah. but I'm just trying to clean it up so that I don't, yeah, give, don't, give, don't give nothing away. Don't give nothing yeah. away. Don't yeah. give nothing away. Yeah. yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, you're 100% right. You know, one of the things that I've said to people before is mm-hmm. it's it, sometimes it's really easy for pastors and other people um, mm-hmm. to look at a situation and say, I really want to help out with that situation. But yeah. my motivation for wanting to help other people oftentimes is because I don't want to be stuck in a room full of mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. If yeah. I get stuck in a room full of mirrors and I got to see, I got to see my dark side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got to keep that. I got to find a way to, I got to look at that dragon. I keep yeah, chained yeah. up, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's so much easier to go help other people than for me yeah. to just go. Face yourself. Yeah. That's exactly Face right. the beast, man. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm over here. I'm over here trying to keep this thing in a cage and yeah. you know, my, I'd much rather be over here helping somebody else keep theirs in the cage. I don't want to look at mine. Mine. No. Me, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, 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 
thing, man. Like I've, I've learned, especially the last four, last about three, four months, you know, um, it's better to, to deal with it. It's better that you deal with it than let it get so out of hand and God deals has to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's better that you let God deal with it as early as possible than to drag it out and then like and then hack because it's gonna hurt, man. <laughs> yeah. You know I, was, I, mean? I was I was talking to a guy the other day yeah. and uh, we were having this conversation and I told him I said uh, I said let me tell you something and I know this guy I know him well he's a friend yeah. of mine. And uh, he called me and was, he was having a rough go. And I said, uh, listen, I said, your daddy is a preacher. Yeah. I said, yeah. I said, listen, you calling me. I'm a preacher. Yeah. And you're looking for something. Yeah. But the one thing these people keep telling you, the one thing that you need to be doing with your life, you won't do. Why won't yeah. you do it? And yeah. he's like, I don't know. And I said, let me put it to you like yeah. this. If you're ever in a club or yeah. in a bar and some dude walks up to you and he says, hey, you want to take this thing outside? Yeah. You know what you never do? Yeah. You never turn it down. Like you go outside and you handle your business. Like yeah. that's just that's just yeah. something in men. Like yeah. you just go handle your business. I said, I'm yeah. telling you right now, Jesus is standing outside the bar. Yeah. Looking at you and he's saying, Bring it. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Come I want to go to blows with you. Yeah. I said, Now what kind of man are you? You a coward? You gonna stay yeah. inside and hide? No, yeah. you get outside because he's gonna put it on you. Because yeah. Jesus is gonna put it on you, no, you, need to sure, get out, you know, and yeah. you're hundred percent right. You're hundred percent right. I appreciate that reminder. That's good for me too. Yeah, <laughs> I, appreciate all of us, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so here's, what's cool as, as I'm, as I'm gearing up to start this whole season mm-hmm. to talk about masculinity and manhood and, mm-hmm. and pushing preachers to a place of saying, Hey, are, have we gotten lazy? Have we gotten yeah. inactive? Have we got sedentary or, or reactive instead of proactive? Have we, have we moved ourselves back away from the fray? You yeah. know, we got other people who will go fight our battles. One of the cool things is I, I'm gearing up in my head. Let's go. Let's talk about dads. Let's yeah. talk about father figures. Let's talk about all these things. And then as I dive deeper into your story, one of the themes that shows up is the number of strong, devoted women yeah. who have helped move you from step to step to step. Yeah. And that's such a cool thing to me because yeah. I, here's my belief. And then I want to come back because I want to hear you talk about this within the church. Our church is, uh, we have a lot of dudes in our church. Um, I mean, a lot of dudes and it's, it's really cool. There's a certain element in this church that that people are. It's usually the opposite though. I I know, but these guys show up, you know, rough and tumbly kind of dangerous dudes, you know, and we're in Kansas. We're we're in, yeah, Iola, Kansas. And so these dudes come in and they're, they're just, just good dudes, tough dudes, strong dudes. Yeah. Not all of them love Jesus, but yeah. they're on the path, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I think the typical statistics of what I've looked at, and it's kind of hard to see, between 30 and 40% of normal Sunday attendance is men. <clears throat> we're, we're sitting at somewhere between 51 and 55%. Wow, that's good. Yeah. It is good. It is good. Yeah. And so we started asking different questions. So how do we get there? You know, one of the things that came up was this. If you continue to preach to the men, even if yeah. there's not men there, if you continue yeah. to preach to the men. So what we'll occasionally do is stop a sermon partway through and say, yeah. this is how this applies to men, specifically yeah. men. This yeah. is how you continue to preach yeah. to the men, the ones yeah. who are there and even the ones who aren't there. Yeah. What happens is women go home and they look at their husbands and they go, I think you need to talk to this. I think you need to hear this. Yeah. I think you need to go. Yeah. And so one of the things that we've attributed 
the growth and the surge of men in our church, we've had to attribute to the women in our church. So what builds a masculine congregation? It's preaching a masculine sermon to a group of women that are there because they filter it all through their husband's mind. You know, it's just so cool. But that's a theme in your life. Like you've got these women from, uh, from Mrs. Reyes in the recruiting, your mom, your aunt, Kathy Lee Gifford, you know, all this stuff. Start me off. Start me off with some of the women in your life. Tell me about how they influence all of them. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Tiana, I mean, she was, I mean, well, my mom, so my mom, she's, uh, She's huge. As a matter of fact, uh, we're uh, working on her book now, which is a mm. prequel to my book. You know, kind of goes deeper into how she ended up in Africa, how she met my dad, and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, I am who I am because of her. You know, she, she, dude, she modeled perseverance every day of her life. You know, I had a living example of of, of a perseverance in her every single day because you know, she struggled big time, but she kept picking herself up over and over and over again. And, like even now when she goes through things, it's just second nature for her to just be like, all right, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get through this. Let me pick myself up and not feel sorry for myself and not depend on anybody, you know? So, you know, that's, that, that, that was huge for me, especially, you know, going into the field I went into with special operations and, you know, you know, going through SEAL training and having to persevere through that, you know, like it was just natural for me to get knocked down and get back up get knocked down, get back up, because that's, that's, that's just what my mom did. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the person who grows up in the home with a dad who's an alcoholic, you know, it's just natural for that kid to become an alcoholic because that's all he, he sees, he or she sees. Um, uh, you know, so, you know, my mom really set the tone for me. Um, she's the one that, you know, recognized me as a writer early on and uh, maybe not recognize me as a writer. She, she was definitely the first person to recognize me as a writer, but she was a she, she really kind of pulled that gift out of me as well, you know, um, and really honed that gift as a kid, you know, um, and, and set up, set me up for my future, you know. And I did a lot of writing in special operations, and, um, and then you know, obviously wrote my book myself, no co-writer, no ghostwriter. Uh, you know, I write films. Um, I'm currently about to write my mom's book with her. Um, possibly going to do another uh, a book on. Um, can't give away too much, but just say I'm a fallen angel. <laughs> yeah, and, I saw uh, I saw something on uh, was Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, you just yeah. posted like a day ago about it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm talking to. Yeah, I can't go into detail. But, That's all right. That's yeah, all right. Man, so so yeah, man. So I would not have the career I have now if my mom didn't sit me down at the table and I hated it. But she would make me and my brother read New York Times articles and write reports. You know, and I, I, I hated it, but, yeah. you know, it really set me up and made writing second nature to me. Wow. Um, so obviously her and then, you know, my aunt Oki, um, she's still alive. She'll be 102 in September. And wow. uh, yeah, you know, she was always a blessing to me and my family. She was my, you know, my grandmother's best friend, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, she, uh, when I had the warrants and I had to pay off my court fines and, and fees and all that stuff, she pulled all her money out of bank accounts so I could join the Navy, you know. Um, then there's my grandmother who, you know, she died, you know, when I was um, like right, right after I joined the military. But, you know, she was always about, you know, do things right, you know, clean up right, like do things where my mom was too, but my mom got it from my grandmother. My grandmother was always like, you know, because she was big on cleaning. She couldn't cook to save her life, but she could clean. She could clean clothes. She could starch clothes. I mean, she could iron, she iron pants so tight, man, that <laughs> you would slice your arm if you pulled too. Like, literally, like, it was unrealistic how sharp she could iron. But, you know, she was just always about 
if you're going to do something, you know, you need to do it right, you know, and uh, that stuck with me throughout my life. It still does. And I get frustrated with myself when I, when I forget that lesson mm. and, you know, I just try to move forward without, you know, taking the time to really invest and make sure something's done right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, her and Tiana Reyes, you know, I had warrants off my rest. You know, she's, you know, she, you know, did some stuff to get me in the Navy and sneak me in the Navy. Despite that, obviously, without the Navy, I wouldn't be here today. Um, yeah, man, the, my, my, my first, um, at my first command, it was, uh, HM, HM, um, HM1, uh, last name eludes me at this point, but she, she helped change my schedule so that I can go learn how to swim. Um, and, and I can learn how to, you know, I can work out because I was skinny and, and, and run and all that stuff so that I would have the skills that I had to, you know, to, um, uh, to, to go to SEAL training, even get into SEAL training. But yeah, it's, obviously Kathy Lee, as you mentioned, she's the one that walked me to the publisher and said, you need to sign this guy to a book deal. Um, and it's been so many other women along my life. Yeah. Uh, and to this day, man, like, you know, there's, you know, I'm gonna shout out Gabriella uh, Gudetag. I'm gonna probably pronounce her last name wrong. I'm looking at a letter on my desk from her, but um, she's you know she's Michael Bay's publicist, mm-hmm. and she's you know she's always kind of looked out for me, and you know she's always you know encouraged me, and she's just a good woman, you know what I mean? Yeah. And for some reason, I just attract good women to my life that you know they see something in me at times that I don't see myself. They want to help, and then obviously there's my wife, you know. Yeah. Who's, you know, you know, she's my biggest supporter and, uh, you know, she's a strong woman. Super, I mean, super strong, super intelligent. She's a doctor, you know, and, uh, so she understands hard work and, um, doing the work, you know? And so, yeah, man, <laughs> that's the thing. I want to be where I'm at without women, dude. It's the craziest thing. It's, you know, and the crazy thing when I was writing my book, um, I didn't know that. Hmm. You know what I mean? It took for me, like, I, like after I wrote my book, I sat down, I was like, dang, like, all these women came into my life right. at the perfect times and helped me out. Like, I never realized that before I, I wrote my book. Yeah. So. And, and you know, you know what's crazy is there's so many people who talk about scripture. Yeah. As, it's so male dominant and so male oriented yeah. and all this. But what you find in, in Luke's gospel, right there, I believe mm-hmm. it's in chapter eight, yeah. it says, and, and Jesus' ministry yeah. Was Jesus' ministry was funded by yeah. a group of women, yeah. faithful women, yeah. <laughs> and to, that he had cast multiple demons out of. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, what got this ministry off the ground? Yeah, it, women. It took this, yeah, women. Yeah. You know, and you, and you just don't hear that very often. Nah. So the complaint is often, you know, well, church is this or Christianity is this or yeah. this fundamentalism that shows up yeah. and it's, it's male dominant. And it's yeah. kind of like, man, but that's not, that's not at all the yeah. picture that I see. Yeah. Not, yeah, that's not the true church. That's not right. the real church. I mean, that, that's why you know, I get so, you know, there's, I think there's a difference between the American church and the real church. Yeah. There are some American churches that act like the real church, but there's a lot that don't, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, when people say make statements or judgments about the church, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, what church are you talking? Same thing with somebody. Well, this Christian did X, Y, they're like, you know, anybody can say you're a Christian, you know what I mean? I can say, go, go outside and say I'm a Muslim right now. Does that yeah. mean I'm a Muslim? No, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, like anybody can say anything is, you know, that's why, you know, 
one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is in, you know, first Corinthians 420 and it says, for the kingdom of God, is not a lot of talk that is living by God's power. And, uh, you know, a lot of Christians, it's, you know, it's just a lot of talk, right? Not action. Yeah. And even in myself, one thing that I've been really, I kind of hit, you know, talked on a little bit earlier, but one thing I've been really trying to get myself back to is that place of not just quoting, talking scripture to myself, but actioning it, right? Where I'm not, if something doesn't happen the way I want it to happen, I'm not getting disappointed because disappointment is an action, right? Like instead allowing my faith to realize that, you know, everything works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. If it didn't happen, it's because God loves you and he's, he's redirecting you somewhere else, right? And so for me, it's, it's, it's just like, I, I need to remind myself, kind of like I said earlier, you know, ministers, we, we need that constant reminder because we're so hard-headed, but remind myself that, you know, it's not a lot of talk. It's not a, like, you know, I'm just going to sing songs and listen to worship music and that's going to be enough. It's like, no, um, you need to put it into action, you know, and, and when I say action, it's not always like picking up a phone action or doing something like action as in your mind is is the most active part of your body in reality, you know, mm-hmm. really break it down to a cellular level and all the things that happen with the neurons. I mean, without your mind, your whole body can't function. And that's where a lot of the warfare takes place. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where, you know, a lot of, you get a lot of people in, in ministry, in leadership in general, the battle with depression, the battle with anxiety and all of these different things, because it's in the mind, right? That's where your warfare is first. And so my actions are trying to battle my thoughts and my mind mm-hmm. to stay the course and say, okay, not just say God got this, but fight in my mind to believe and walk like God got this, which means not yeah. feeling down about it. So <clears throat> would you say, would you say that, that, uh, going through, going through buds, um, mm-hmm. is a, is a similar metaphor yeah. in a way of like, you got to make yourself do some stuff that you ain't even trying to do. Like yeah. you got to make yourself like, it's not, it's not going to happen naturally. No. Everything in you screaming, run, run, yeah. Yeah. Ring, yeah. ring it and go, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, um, you know, every single guy that shows up to seal training physically, he has what it takes to make it through. Mm. Because if you didn't have what it take, what it takes to make it through physically, you won't, you're not accepted into the program. Right. Like you literally have to pass a swim or run, push ups, pull ups, sit ups, all that stuff physically. And then once you pass all of that stuff and the medical exam, which proves you're healthy enough to go through the program, then you have essentially told the Navy, I am physically qualified to become a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Now the question then becomes, are you mentally qualified? And that's where, that's where BUDS is. It's all mental. It's all mental. Like it's not physical. I mean, they use physical tools to break you down mentally. Yeah. And to me, you know, I, I've been working on it, playing around with notes on the sermon on this. You know, I don't have the exact title for it, but, you know, life is buds, man. <laughs> Maybe that's the title, life is buds, right? Yeah. You know, like, we always ask ourselves, why do certain things happen and this and that? Man, I truly believe, man, that on a spiritual level, man, like, I think when we die, I think spiritually we'll be more alive than we are here now. You know what I mean? I can't think of a scripture to yeah. back that up right now. But so I'm not saying that that's 
word. I'm just saying that that's one of my thought processes. And, you know, but we do know in the scripture, it talks about in Corinthians that, you know, when Paul, you know, is, is, uh, is rebuking the church of Corinthians, like, you know, you guys can't get along. Don't you know that you, that we're going to judge angels? Don't you know that you're going to judge people also? And when you think about it, it's like, dang, like, all right, if I'm going to be judging an angel, if I'm going to be standing next to God judging an angel, there's got to be a whole lot of stuff I need to go through in order to qualify to do that. (laughs) And where do I get the trainer for that? Life. Life. You know, life. Because it says we're going to reign with God. Like, when you, like we're reigning with him now, but we're going to reign with him in eternity. So if you're going to reign with God in eternity, what's going to qualify you? What's your seal training you're going to need to go through to get to that point? Because not, you ain't going to be able to reign and judge right with him. Right? That's why, you know, like, you know, I, we had people that died young. And, uh, you know, I, and like for me, it's like they got it. They got it. Like my nephew, I have a nephew. He died when he was 14, born muscular dystrophy. Um, do suffer most of his life. By the time he died, it was like literally skin and bones mm. and an excruciating pain every day because, see, I'm sitting here and I'm not feeling pain. My bones are not feeling pain because I got muscle around it. It's a cushion. You know, something when you, somebody, somebody rubs your bone the wrong way, that's, he was laying on bone. That's extremely painful. And he went through, but the kid had so much wisdom mm. and like he loved the Lord and he like could tell you stuff about God. And he forgave people in a way that was like, this, I mean, you, when, if you had a conversation with this dude, you would think he's like 80 years old. Wow. Right. But wow. he got it. You know what I mean? So God was like, nah, he's ready. Mm. Now, you know, I know people who don't really understand this can you know, judge God and say certain things and, you know, I'm not knocking that at all. You know what I mean? We all yeah, have to get yeah, to a place sure. of understanding, you know, but he got it. And then you had the person that got to live to like <laughs> they 102. Maybe it's not that they don't get it. They get it, but God still has them in the earth to, to pass on lessons and do other things, you know? You know, and so, um, uh, yeah, I, I just say all that to say, like, life is is. Life, I mean, because when you really look at, when, like, we, you know, I talked about this in a message I shared uh, recently called It Takes a Hero to Defeat a Villain. And, you know, eternity is something we, in our finite minds, can never understand. Like, we just can't understand that, right? There is, it's just, it just is. <laughs> it's not a middle beginning, it's not an end, it's just literally, everything's laid out and it's eternity. Yeah. Forever. When you look at when, if we could quantify eternity, and you look at the average lifespan, or maybe even the longest person, the person that lives the longest, even if it's 120 years, whatever. Like 120 years is like a blip confirmed in comparison to eternity. Yeah. And same thing with seal training. Like buds is six months. Like that's it. Six months. Now, granted, after you go through parts, you graduate, you get your Navy SEAL rating, then you go to SQT, which is four months before you go to your team to get some follow-on training. But buds is six months, and the average and, and, and the shortest the shortest career SEAL will have is about four and a half to five years. The longest is can be thirty years. Some dudes go all the way up to forty years. Wow. Now, when you think about how that 
one six month period defines a lot of the rest of your life. That was nothing. It's right. the same thing with a hundred years compared to eternity. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's uh, one of the things that I, uh, that I, that I'm hearing you talk about is, but what happens is those events live through a spiritual mind in that yeah. six months yeah. in that 18 years in that 26 yeah. years yeah. lived through a spiritual mind. And like, there's, have you ever had the feeling or the thought like, man, I wished I would have started this so much sooner, you know? It, like, I, I wish yeah. I would have started doing this a lot, so, saving money, caring yeah. about my family, being an yeah. attentive husband. I should yeah. have started this sooner. And yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, sure, sure, maybe you should have started it sooner. But I love that verse where it talks about, and God will restore what the locusts have eaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that idea that yeah. now if you get these next few right, yeah. this thing just magnifies, and yeah. you get wisdom from yeah. things you didn't know that you had wisdom in. Yeah, yeah. And so, but it takes a spiritual mind to get there. I mean, it takes yeah. the, it takes the Holy spirit to move you to that place. Yeah. Amen. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so I'm, so I'm reading something today and it says, um, your grandfather died mm-hmm. when your father was eight. Yeah. Your father yeah. passed yeah. when you were five. Yeah. And I know in the book, you talk about this, mm-hmm. that, that you had to go start looking for, father figures of some yeah. kind. Yeah. What are the qualities of the individuals that you were looking for being a guy who had no idea what he was looking for? I was just looking for just I mean it's a simple answer. I was just looking for somebody to mimic. You know I didn't have I didn't have um I didn't have like anything in mind like he needs to be this, this, this and just like I just and I think a lot of kids are like that, you know, who don't have fathers, you know, it's just like, I just, whatever shows up is what I'll take. Right. And so that for me, it was just like, you know, whoever shows up, whatever shows up in my mind, that's what I'll take as an example. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and you found some, you found some great guys. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, um, I say, yeah, no, no, like, you know, I'm not saying this sarcastically. I say, yes. Um, because there was something, because they gave, like later in life, they gave me examples of what not to be. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So that's why I say, yeah, because they gave me examples of what not to be. Right. Um, Later in life. At the time, you know, I say yes, because that's what I, that, you know, that's what I was attracted to. You know, Um, I was attracted to, you know, fame and I was attracted to, being being a man, I was attracted to sleeping with as many girls as I can, you know. So at the time, from a worldly perspective, yeah, it was great. Um, and you know, and another thing too, I think it gave me a lot of. I think in every bad thing, there's something good. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the level of how big that good is it varies, but I think there's something good, and I know living that street life and you know following those examples in the streets and all that stuff. It gave me a, it gave me a strength, an inner strength, and it added to the mental toughness that my mom was already mm. kind of you know modeling for me. But then also it uh it kind of gave me diversity in the way I dealt with people. It taught me how to read people. I was in the streets, right? So you know later when I became a seal and you know I'm an intelligence collector, you know what I mean, and I'm you know in wherever I am and you know in the in the world. I'm meeting with cats, 
you know, gangsters, <laughs> aka yeah. terrorists. Yeah. And, stuff. and you, you, you lie, looking them up and down, I'm getting like, them figured out. Yo, don't get it twisted. <laughs> like, I already know right. where you're coming from. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I know you. I, I get this. You yeah. know, and I know you lying. I, you know, so it, it was. That's why I say it was great. That's why the Bronx was the best place for me to grow up. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to have grown up and it was hard. It was hard, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hard, you know what I mean? But it does. I'm, I'm living in paradise now. You know what I mean? That's right. I'm living, you know, my kid. And the good thing about it is the cool thing about my kids will hopefully, you know, the Bronx is, has kind of strengthened me to the point where um, I've been able to work hard enough to give my kids a life that I didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I talk about with, uh, with the men's group um, mm-hmm. and some different guys that we spend time with, when you come from a place that is, uh, is less than ideal yeah, and there's things that you know you were missing as mm-hmm. a young man growing up, when you get kids, one of the first instincts is to give them a better life than you had. And then what easily, I was having this conversation with a guy at the gym this morning. Yeah. What, what easily happens is that we will almost take that to the extreme and not create enough or hand them enough um, uh, pain. Yeah, adversity. Obstacles, adversity, yeah. To where they can't develop. Yeah. And, and so what's the pullback? How do how do we balance that? Any idea? You got you got some sons nah, of your like my, yeah, my, I raised my kids the way my mom raised me. Yeah, you good for you. Like, you know, like no no quitting. Good you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. no, you know, I can't do something. No, I'm not, you know, like I'm not extreme, like, oh no, you gotta do everything perfect because I understand right. it. Not right. I'm not like that at all. But what I am is like, okay, if you have a problem or if you're struggling with this whatever it is academically, let's work on it. Yeah. Cause you know, like my philosophy is, you know, all of us have deficiencies, right? <laughs> Especially as it relates to our dreams. Otherwise it wouldn't be called a dream. Right. And so when you have a deficiency, you just got to do the extra hard work to overcome those dreams. So that's one thing I t- try to tell my kids, you know, you got to do the extra hard work. Yeah. I know it's, I know, you know, you're small, but you know, just, and it, but then the extra hard work can be like, I'm teaching my, my son is learning, is really learning reading right now. Yeah. He's learning how to read, my oldest son. And, um, and so the extra work can be instead of reading one line like we did last night with him is, you know, having, you know, fun. I forgot what the thing was. Jake is having fun in his son. Hmm. Okay. So it's okay. You're struggling with certain work. Let's do it again. Yeah. Okay. Now let's do it again, but let's just sound out every letter, you know. So what sound does F make? Let's just do it again. Boom. That's doing the actual work instead of being like, ah, oh, you know, I can't do this. So moving on, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I try to give them, um, for sure. I try to, I, I, I try raising the way I was raised yeah. the best I can, you know, and, uh, putting some, uh, putting some adversity in yeah. your kids in your kids' lives is really good. And mm-hmm. it's also really good to put some adversity in your own life. Yeah. 
you know? And so one of the things that we've talked about, on I don't even put adversity in my life. I got too much. <laughs> okay. Right. But there's that other but part. It's from all of creation. Though. There you go. But there's that other part where um, we're going to, we're going to talk about how God's done this and God's done that. How much, uh, how much of what's going on in my life is my responsibility to buck up and get work done. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm not fully understanding the question. What I, what I mean is how much responsibility, because what we'll often do, we get uh-huh. reactive, we'll, mm-hmm. get, we'll get you know lazy on something, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for this thing to happen. But there's got to be a point somewhere where we say, hey, you got to get up and move. You got to move. Like You got to do your work as well. Yeah, God's going to work in your life, yeah. but you got to pull some weight. And you've yeah. experienced this where you are, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to... I think it, it starts more with us doing the work first. Yeah. I, and scripture that comes to mind and I kind of use when I talk about this is, you know, I think it was in, it was in Exodus, I believe. Maybe it was either Exodus numbers, Deuteronomy. But anyway, the, you know, the Malachites, the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites down in the valley. And Moses was on the top of this hill. And God said to Moses, as long as you hold the staff of God in the air, the Israelites will win. But when you drop the staff of God, the Israelites will lose. So what God was saying is a partnership. Yeah. But what you need to do is hold. Like, so he needs to do his piece. He needs to do some work. Right. You know, which kept his arms up. He, that was work. Like God is saying, you do that. If you do that piece, I'll do the rest. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, but then when his arms got tired, and he dropped his arms and they were losing the battle. And then finally, you know, his brother Miriam, his brother Miriam got hit to the game and they was like, okay, we need to help him, which yeah. all the key people came around and they helped him hold them up. And then Israelites won the battle, right? right? So for me, it's like, and then, you know, there's so many other examples, like I was sure. like naming, you know, the prophet saying, go bathe in the, like, go bathe in the water. You go to the water. Walk all the way out there, dip your head seven times. I'm not sure if it was seven, I think it was seven times. And you come out, you will be healed. Mm-hmm. Right? And he didn't want to do it. Because yeah. he was like, nah, I'm like, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to do the work. I should like I thought I was just gonna come in and do was gonna say I'm healed mm-hmm. and that's it. But no, you have to do your part first. And and there's some more so many examples and yeah. So I think where I where I fail a lot is I don't know when to stop doing the work and let God do his part. Mm. I don't know when to be like, okay, I've done enough. Now let me look at God, his space yeah. to move. I, I think where I feel a lot is I need to keep my hand on it. Yeah, I need to keep pushing it over the hill. And God's like, no, you got it to where you need to be. And so for me, it's, and for others, I'm just saying, you just keep working until you sense until you feel like you're doing too much, mm-hmm. right? When you feel like you're doing too much and doing too much could be manipulation, mm-hmm. can be lying to get, you know, it can be, you know, half truths, you know, it could be what, when, you know, complete and utter breakdown because you are doing too much. Mm-hmm. But if you sense any of those things, that's when you're doing too much. Yeah. I think about, I think about how just the way life is and the way, the way God operates with people. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, oftentimes for me, what it is, is that the one area of my life that God really wants me to work hard on 
mm-hmm. ends up being my my biggest weakness. Yeah, yeah. You know? Us, yeah. And, yeah, and so I, what I think about yeah. with that passage, there's a passage, I believe it's in Exodus, and it says, uh, I will go and fight your fight. You just mm-hmm. be still. And so yeah. for Remy, it's a different story than yeah. it is for Jared, right? For Remy, yeah. it's this. Hey, Remy, I'm the one that's fighting the fight. You freaking yeah. chill yourself yeah. down. Listen, yeah. homie, like yeah. you already, you go, yeah. you already been. Like yeah. you, you already worked to death. All right, now I yeah. need you back up. Watch me do my thing. On yeah. the other side, for Jared, it's probably gonna sound something like, "Yo, hey, you're a fat pastor. Freaking yeah. move, son. Yeah. You know, yeah. get out there, get yeah. moving. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that about. I love that about." Uh, how when somebody walks into my office and we begin to sit down and talk, mm-hmm. it's like, well, this is the one area, but I can't let go of that. <laughs> yeah. This is the, this is the thing. Like, that's the thing he wants. He wants yeah. that thing. That yeah. thing's got grips on so many other things. You yeah. know, I think that's cool. Well, good for you. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. That's yeah. cool. Hey, yeah, there's a story that reminds me of a, of another verse, a story I read, or maybe I heard um, about, about a, a guy who you had hired, a young guy you had hired. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and the work didn't come out like you'd mm-hmm. hoped mm-hmm. and you had to let him go Yeah, and then later went to him and said you know what hey I want to help you out and get on yeah. down the line a little bit Yeah, and this ends up being a connection yeah. that opens up a whole lot of other doors yeah. for you can you yeah. tell us about that yeah yeah so uh, um, you know I'm a writer as I shared and um, um, I uh uh, I wrote I wrote my first film, and I was you know I didn't know where to go with it. How to do it? I have connections in the industry, but I just didn't know how to go about actioning those. No, actually, actually, so story backs up, backs up. So I wrote my book, and then after I wrote my book, I was just like, man, I want to write a film, but I had never wrote a film before. Mm-hmm. Like the storytelling, but it, I mean the difference, a lot of the differences in, in telling a, in writing a film is you have a shorter, way shorter amount of time and the formatting is different, right? For the most part, you have you still have three act structure, story arc, all that kind of stuff, but it's different. And so kind of like with other things in my life in the past, I didn't feel like I, I didn't have the confidence to write mm. it. Even though God had already equipped me to write it. I just didn't have the confidence to do it. And so I hired this kid who I had met in uh, in the theater school. And uh, he, uh, you know, he, he kind of talked himself up. I went, yeah, I'm, I'm a great writer. I did this before. I did that. I'm be able to get it done, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so I hired him paid, him, paid him a significant amount of money to start writing. And then the next, like, two, three weeks later, he comes back to my house and He's like, hey, I want to show you what I got so far. And I was like, cool. I, I don't need you to show me what you got because according to the contract, you got X amount of months to come show me what you got. But come to find out, he was just coming to my house because he wanted to get another installment. He was hurting for money. Mm. So, you know, after he showed me the guy, he's like, hey, man, I know I'm not going to be, can you give me that next installment? And I was like, you know, trying to be a good dude. I was like, I know I'm not supposed to. Well, no, actually, I didn't. I was like, man. Let me, I'm just giving them not realizing what the contract said because I hadn't read the contract in a while. And I was just like, something's telling me I'm not supposed to give him this money, but you know what? Let me just give it to him. And then after I gave it to him, I looked at the contract. I was like, man, I was supposed to pay him a second installment. And after I paid him a second installment, like he disappeared, you know, when I would finally get a hold of him, he wouldn't show up. And it was just like this mess. And I was mad because this dude robbed me. You know, he never finished, he never finished the work. And so I finally got a hold of him 
And I was like, yo, you need to give me my money back, man. Like, don't, you know, you need to give me my money back. And, you know, he's like, well, I'm sleeping in my car and this and that. And, like, I'm so sorry. Like, it's all my fault. But I was like, yeah, I hear all that. But you made a promise. You signed a contract. And you didn't fulfill on that. You need to give me my money back, like, straight up. And so he came to my house and gave me my money back. And he's feeling, you know, he's super apologetic. And uh, he was just like, man, I'm hurt. I'm in a bad place. And so, like, you know, I felt the Lord say, you know, don't kick the man while he's down. You know what I'm saying? Instead, lift him up. So I was just like, all right, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I gave him, like, I gave him a couple hundred dollars. You know, I gave him, it was like five, five, six hundred dollars, something like that. I was like, hey, man, you know, even though I'm not supposed to be giving you this, like, I feel like I need to bless you, man, help you out. You know, he's like, man, thank you so much. He was living in his car. He's like, thank you so much. It's not. I was like, all right, man. So anyway, long story short, he reached out to me like, I, 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 wrote, I went, wrote the script, got it done. And months later, and he hit me up and he's like, yo, I just want to know, I was appreciative of what you did for me. Uh, I'm working at such and such. I don't want to say the company because I'm not with them anymore. Sure. Um, but I'm working with such and such production company and, you know, and they, uh, um, uh, you know, if you ever need anything, there's anything to help you out, let me know because you helped me out tremendously. And so, you know, as time passed, I was trying to figure out, like I started out with, you know, trying to figure out how to get my script on the market and all this other stuff. And I hit him up and he, he ended up getting me pretty much signed to that company. You know, so I was signed to that company for a bit. And, the, you know, like it didn't work out in the long run, but the cool thing about being with that company is I got to learn a lot about the industry right. and I got to, I got to really learn more about, you know, honing, honing a script, you know, mm-hmm. tightening things up and, processes and how people outside of my box views what I write, right? Because right. if I send you a script or I send you a book or a friend, for the most part, they're going to be like, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good, right? But um, somebody in the industry person is going to be like, it's, going to be straight. it's good, but this or nah, this is not good. And so, you know, it was good. I, I really learned a lot about the process. Yeah. And, and uh, again, it didn't work out in the long run, but uh, for me to stay with them, I had to leave um, just because I had other opportunities and that, you know, and my thing is I've, 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 you know, I've worked a lot really hard to get to where I'm at today. And it's just hard for me to swallow paying somebody, giving somebody a percentage of, of what I sell. And they had, and yes, I've learned some things, but they haven't gone out and, and, and did the work to sell the product. You know, I did the work to sell the product. So that was kind of one of the reasons why I left them. Yeah. And yeah, so that's yeah, that's cool. And yeah. when I when I was hearing this story, I thought I thought of that verse that you know, in the way you handled that situation, I thought of that yeah. verse in, in Romans chapter two, where it says, "Do you not know that it's God's kindness that brings us to repentance?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. because what I think is, you know, what's going to bring me repentance? Yeah. A hammer. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the yeah. Lord dropping dime on me. That's what yeah. I anticipate repentance looking like for me. Yeah, but, yeah, but, for but, sure. that's, but that hasn't been how he's dealt with me. He's dealt yeah. with me with kindness. And yeah. that's the thing that's always turned my heart back, you know, yeah. which is so different than the rest of the world. Uh, yeah. I wanna, that's the verse that came to mind when I, when I heard that story. That was really, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Was really cool. Yeah. Well, um, hey, let me ask you a couple questions and I'll let you dive out of here. I appreciate yeah. your time so much. Yeah, um, no what, um, what what kind of things? Uh, what keeps men moving forward, growing, and achieving more? Like what what's the thing that they need to grab a hold of for them to be able to move forward, grow, and, and begin to accomplish? Speaker person, I say humility. I mm-hmm. think like everything goes back to humility. I think you know the moment, the times when I've 
you know, walked in the most humility that's when I move forward. And then mm-hmm. the times when I've, you know, lost some of that humility and walked in pride, that's when I go backwards. I think, you know, you know, when you look at Jesus and the way he lived his life, he lived his life in a very humble way. Um, he was humble in his dealings. He was, you know, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal step on the cross, Philippians, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you know, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God. And I think that when, you know, when men walk in, 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 in humility, whether you're a Christian or not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. that move, that moves, moves, that moves the dial. Yeah, I uh, appreciate that. Um, if your father was alive, mm-hmm. if your father was alive right now, mm-hmm. and, and he could he could take a look at the things that have been accomplished in your life and the things yeah. that you fought through and you wrestle with and, and the man that you become, do you have any idea what he would say to you? No. Nope. What would what would you say to him? I was too, I was too young to to really get to know him enough. Yeah, yeah. You're five, right? Yeah, five. Yeah, I was five when my dad died. So I, so I don't, you know, and which is crazy because I, again, I'm going back to this film I wrote. You know, a key aspect, a big part of the film is, is you know, um, a father um, communicating with his son, who's small now, but communicating with him in a way that in the future. You'll have something to refer to. Good angle, right? So, um, um, and, and when my book went out, and, and my book, when you open up my book, the opening, you know, it, it's, it says, you know, this book is dedicated to my sons. My name, names, my nephews. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, because essentially, what I want my kids when they get older, I want them like if I die tomorrow, whatever. All they got to do is open a book and they know everything about me. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I want to be able to give them a template, but also give them my life so that if anything happens to me. And that's the biggest blessing out of the book. You know what I mean? It's the fact that now my kids and my nephews and my grandkids and my great-grandkids will have something to be like, uh, you know, they'll be able to answer the question you just asked. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, what What would you say? What would you say to him? Um, nothing. Yeah. I can't think of anything to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, you know, honestly, like I, you know, the thing is, like, I, I never had. A, I mean, from my from my perspective, my dad died when I was five, so you know, you start really remembering things. I think like four or five or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, your first mem- my first memory was like I think like four, you know, something like that. Yeah, and uh, then I could recall now, and yeah. so um, I say that to say I don't know enough about him to know what to say to him. Yeah. I, said, I, don't, I don't know what it is to have a father. I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, I, you know, I don't have, I know what it is to be a father, but I don't know what it is to have a father. Yeah. I said in a, I said in a room, I said in a room full of, full of guys the other day, and we started talking about different things. What's one thing that you had to teach yourself how to do? And so we're kind of going around the room talking about it. And it was a room full of guys who yeah. uh, hadn't had a dad present in their life. And so yeah. they start talking about the thing. Like I had to teach myself everything, you know, yeah. I had to teach myself everything. Yeah. Like there's all this stuff. And so what it turned into is, okay, so can that put a ceiling on what you can teach in the future to your own kids and your experience with that. What's, no, uh, what's no, the, 
I think for me, because of, you know, because of the Lord and his guidance by the power of the Holy Spirit and me having the word to be able to go to and see how God is as a father, how God dealt with it, how Jesus is, you know, walked this earth as a father, you know, as a, with the father in him, you know, yeah. I am him and he's in the father. And, uh, you know, like just being able to have that model now, you know, it helps me. Now, obviously there are technical things like change oil, stuff like that. But sure. for the most part, um, I think a lot of my guidance comes from the Lord. Yeah. And has come from the Lord. That's good. That's good. Hey, last question here. Some people have suggested that Christianity or faith mm-hmm. is a passive answer to a violent world. What would you say in response to that? A passive answer to a violent world. Passive answer to a violent world, meaning when you look out into the world, and and here's what you're saying, Remy. You're saying what I need to do is I need to give my life to Jesus, to the turn the other cheek guy, and then go out into this world that's corrupt, and that's going to somehow give me some answers there. Christianity is just this thing. It's been pigeonholed as this super passive thing. And how is that going to exist out in the world? What would you say to the people that would say faith is a passive answer? to a violent world. Like that's not enough to get me through this life. I've never heard that. I've never heard that statement before. So I'm kind of thrown off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to just throw out a random answer. Um, I think it's both, man. I think it is. And it's not, Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, just going off the top. Sure, the head, sure. I think it is a passive answer to a violent world. Yeah. Right, and but that uh, might that might be just what we need. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you know, and the same thing too. Another thing too is like God is the same, you know, today, yesterday, and tomorrow. You know, at the same time, you know, like I think you know, God is God is big on seasons, right? You know, and and you know, yeah. you know, like there's a time for everything. You know, mm-hmm. Solomon talked about that. You know, it's a time for this, it's a time for that, it's a time you know. Nothing new is under the sun. And I think, you know what I mean? It, there are seasons within the individual, within the life of an individual Christian, or maybe even within, you know, the church as a whole, where it is. Be passive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's okay. Yeah. Right? Because, like I said earlier, you know, that sometimes it takes more strength to not punch somebody in the face. It, it does take more strength. To not punch somebody in the face or just punch you in the face and it does to punch that person. It takes more strength. It does to, to, to restrain yourself. I and mean, if you don't believe it, get married. Right. <laughs> and I'm not talking about, you know, abuse and marriage. I'm I talking know about, you, you know, yeah. you know, when you're married and you know, you get into an argument and you know, it takes a lot of restraint to not retaliate words and say, well, oh, okay, well, uh, it takes a lot. It takes more strength at times to hold back, you know, a rebuttal, a verbal rebuttal than it does to mm-hmm. rebuttal. Yeah. And say, oh, like now nah, I won. No, you didn't win. Nobody wins, right? Yeah. And so um, it's okay to be passive, you know, for Christianity to be passive in the wild world, right? Because yeah. that takes strength to be passive. Yeah. At the same time, I think, you know, there are seasons when, you know, that's not the case. You know what I mean? And uh, um, so I think, you know, I don't feel like, you know, that's excellent. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. That's right. just an answer because me, I could be asked. No, I think that's, I think that's, no, I think that's absolutely yeah. right. I think there are those seasons. And that's not even something that I've even really considered with it. You know, yeah. I've, I've, 
that there are these times to where our responsibility is to, you need to set back. You need yeah. to not be, I mean, it's like what we were talking about earlier when you said, you yeah. know, my tendency is to get too involved, to put yeah. my hands on it more, to yeah. drive harder, yeah. where sometimes God's saying, hey, back up. You know, you just be quiet. I'll yeah. fight your fight. You know, yeah. you just yeah. be quiet. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Thank you yeah. for that. That's really good. Yeah, because really you know, at the end of the day, God doesn't need anybody to defend him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you know, I, I really feel like a lot of Christians sometimes they, 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 you know, try to live up to the other side of that statement and, and you know, poke their chest out and run around with signs and pick it. And like, I'm doing God's work. You know, it's like, no, you're not, dude. You hurting the kingdom of God by what you're right. doing. You know, right. but at the same time, God does not need our help. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's God, you know, all by himself. You know what I'm saying? And so um, he uses us, yeah, which is a blessing for him to use us. But you know, um, he doesn't need us to defend him. Well, I'm I'm very thankful to uh, to have the opportunity to for God to step into my life and, and work mm-hmm. through me. And I'm thankful that He's doing the same thing yeah, in your yeah. life and working yeah. through you, especially where you are. You're in a really yeah. you're in a really you got a really cool platform to uh, to carry the gospel on. So I appreciate it, Remy. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you yeah. so much for the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation. No, thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the time with you. Yeah. It's good where can we? Uh, where can we? Uh, where can we follow you? And uh, yeah, so I'm uh, just Remy Adelake in my name. You know, R E M I D E L E K E on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, um, my, my book's website is transformstory.com. Um, you can get the book on Amazon, anywhere where books are sold. Uh, and actually, the paperback uh, version of the book releases May twenty. Six, I believe, um, yeah. but hardcovers out, audio book, all that stuff. Digital's yeah. out now. Yeah. Well, good luck yeah. with all the other writing that you're doing, and yeah. uh, congratulations on the book. And thank, uh, you. thank you for uh, thank you for doing what you're doing, and uh, uh, thank you for being a part of the Homeless Podcast. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me on, man. It's yeah. a blessing. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll get with you later. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. God bless, man. You too. We'll see you. Yeah. yeah.